Well, I want to speak to you this morning on sort of a strange subject, resurrection realities, the realities of the resurrection. Turn your Bible to the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 3. Chapter 1, verse 3, Acts 1, verse 3. May we pray together. Our Father, we thank you for this beautiful Lord's Day, for all the glorious triumphant music that celebrates the resurrection of Christ from the dead. We pray that we will catch a glimpse of why those early disciples were so filled with joy and authority and power that they went everywhere preaching the word and giving their testimonies. And may that happen again today. In Jesus' name, amen. One little verse of scripture. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. In Revelation 1.18, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and death. And in Luke chapter 24, a passage that never grows old, in our thinking. Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came into the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them, and they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. And they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. All over the world today, there are resurrection celebrations. Right in this city, Every church has been awake all morning, some with sunrise services, others with early services. I believe Hillview is celebrating at Dill Arena with a large attendance. And all across the world, there are believers meeting to say Christ is risen, Jesus is alive, he's not in a grave anymore. Now this is what we really do every Sunday. Some have not quite caught a glimpse of why we meet on Sunday. They just say, well, that's Sunday, so we go to meeting. It's, they call it Sunday go to meeting day. Well, the reason we meet on Sunday instead of the Jewish Sabbath is because Jesus arose from the grave on Sunday morning. And for 2,000 years, God's people, the people who claim Christ as Savior, have been meeting on Sunday morning and on Sunday night to say, we serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. You ask how I know he lives? He lives within my heart. Did you ever wonder what it was that caused the experience of that little band of men in that little country of Palestine, measuring no longer than 200 miles long and 50 miles wide, why they got so excited after they had been down in the doldrums that they set the world ablaze with a new faith. You see, when Jesus died, 
they were all discouraged. They went home. Only John and Mary, as far as we know, were at the cross. And Jesus said to Mary, Behold thy son. He said to John, Behold thy mother. Thus taking care of his earthly mother. But he said to that mother, Woman, behold thy son. Thus no longer identified as his mother, but the vehicle through which he was brought into the world. Some call Jesus, uh, call Mary the mother of God. Mary isn't the mother of God. God existed long before Mary did. Mary is the earthly vehicle through which God chose to bring Jesus into the world as a little baby. But Jesus didn't begin in Bethlehem either, nor in Nazareth. He was from all eternity. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Without Him was not anything made that was made. So Jesus, the great Creator, as Janice sang a while ago, the great Creator became our Redeemer or our Savior. Well, what caused these disciples so discouraged and so defeated to have such a change. Mary came to the tomb early. John says it was still dark. Some of us got up early this morning before dawn. We went out to the cave mill property and just as the sun began to come up, we began a service and then the rain came. And we had a good time in the sun and rain meeting under umbrellas out there. But you know, while it was yet dark, Mary came to that tomb and found the stone rolled away and Jesus was not there. Now keep in mind there was an empty grave. It wasn't some kind of a spooky spiritual re resurrection in which the spirit of Jesus arose and his influences are where he's here today. No, he was actually raised from the dead and he had a glorified body, a victorious glorified body that could go through closed doors and locked doors could appear and disappear at his will. And the disciples were shocked. The Bible says the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Well, what was it that so changed, made so many changes? The change of our calendar, the change of rulerships, the change of civilization, the change of governments, the change of philosophies, the change in music, the change in art, the change in faith. Well, note what happened to that weak band of men who ran from the arrest, <clears throat> deserted Jesus at the cross, and now they have gone across the world with the message, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. <clears throat> there were several reasons for this change. Number one, the fact that Jesus was really risen from the dead. <clears throat> he had talked about it, but they didn't understand. He had said, the Son of Man will fall into the hands of sinful men. He will be mocked and crucified, but the third day he will rise again. They had no understanding of that resurrection. And when it really happened, they were startled. They were shocked. 
Jesus appeared to Mary. Then Jesus appeared to the woman returning from the tomb with the angelic message, he is not here. Jesus appeared to Peter probably in the afternoon. Jesus appeared to the men on the road to Emmaus toward evening. Then he appeared to the disciples in the upper room. Then the next Sunday night he appeared to the disciples and Thomas was present. And then he appeared to the seven beside the seashore and then to over 500 at one time and later to James, the Lord's brother. His last appearance, just before the ascension, he said, go ye into all the world and make disciples of all the nations. And then after the ascension, Stephen was standing on a street corner in Jerusalem giving his testimony. And while they were stoning him to death, he looked up and he said, I see Jesus. And he's standing at the right hand of the Father. Paul, on the road to Damascus, heard a voice, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And Saul said, who are you, sir? And the voice said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. And so Paul later said, Jesus appeared to me as a one born out of due time. And then when John was on the Isle of Patmos for preaching the word, the Bible record says, Jesus appeared to him and gave him the unveiling of Jesus Christ, the revelation. The fact that Jesus was really alive so touched the hearts of those disciples, they could hardly believe it. You imagine what would happen to you if you went out to the grave today where you buried a loved one and you looked and the grave was empty and all of a sudden that person began to talk to you. You'd, you'd, you'd be afraid at first, you'd be shocked, and then you'd tell everybody. Well, this is the way the disciples reacted to Jesus' resurrection. They began to tell everybody, he's not dead, he's alive. He's not dead, he's alive. Secondly, that he was immediately present with them wherever they went. Now you think of that. Jesus was raised from the dead. They had seen him, but they didn't see him all the time. But they were aware that wherever they went, he was there. Mary wept and Jesus showed up in her tears. Thomas doubted and Jesus overheard that doubt. And the next Sunday night when Thomas was at church, Jesus said, Thomas, thrust in your hands into my nail print hands. And Thomas didn't have to do that. He remembered his words earlier that week, I will not believe unless I can do that. And here was Jesus telling him to do it. And Thomas said, the Lord heard me say that. Which reminds us that the Lord hears every word. He knows every thought. He watches every action. He was there when the disciples rejoiced. He was there when the Christians were troubled. On the Emmaus Road, they were talking and saying, we thought that he was the Messiah, now he's dead. And this stranger comes along and he said, who are you talking about? Why are you so sad? Well, they said, we, we thought this, this Jesus was the Messiah. And Jesus began to open the scriptures from Psalms and the prophets and their hearts burned within them as they recognized him. And then when Peter failed, he denied the Lord and then he failed to catch fish and then Jesus, fixing breakfast for them on the shore, said, Simon, 
Son of Jonah, lovest thou me more than these? Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Simon, son of Jonah. And Peter said, that's Jesus. I denied him three times. And now he's asking me three times. He knows all about it. You see, Jesus knows all about everything we do. Every utter, utter, every word uttered, every idle word, every thought, Jesus knows all about it. And they were amazed when it required taking a stand. And then that cloud of witnesses that the writer of Hebrews speaks of reminds us that the disciples were amazed that Jesus knew everything they were saying and they were with them. He was with them everywhere. Thirdly, that he was on the throne of glory in heaven in complete control. Now remember, Jesus, they believed he was alive. Then they knew that he was hearing everything they said and he would appear sometimes and disappear at other times. And then he was on the throne of glory and they remembered Stephen while he was being stoned. Stephen looked up. He said, I see Jesus. Now they had seen him on the cross. They had seen him put in a tomb. They had seen him earlier feed 5,000 and 4,000 and touch blind eyes and cause them to see. And now Stephen says, I see him and he's at the right hand of the Father. And they became convinced that Jesus, who, was, who had ascended, was at the right hand of the Father and was in complete charge of what was going on in the earth. And then they realized that he would eventually reappear. the disciples saw Jesus ascend into heaven. The book of Acts tells us, chapter 1, they stood gazing into heaven. They saw this Jesus, the nail print hands, the scar on his side. They saw Jesus ascend up, up. Some of you have been to Cape Canaveral, and you've seen the ascension of the rocket ships, and you see it go up, most of us have seen it by television. It goes up and up and up and up until it's out of sight. That's the way those disciples that day, they saw Jesus here and then they saw him being lifted up and the clouds surrounding him and he was taken up from them and they gazed into heaven and the angel came and said, why do you gaze into heaven? The same Jesus whom you've seen taken into heaven shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go. And they were convinced that Jesus is coming again. And I submit to you, ladies and gentlemen, we've waited 2,000 years, but he's coming. Amen. I don't know the day. I don't know the hour. It may be today. But Jesus is coming. Jesus may come today. Glad day. Glad day. And I would see my friend. Dangers and troubles would end if he should come back today. Jesus is coming again. And those disciples were convinced that Christ was coming the second time. And then last of all, they knew that if they died before he came, to be absent from the body would be present with the Lord. That was an amazing fact. They had known something about it in the Old Testament. Job had said, if a man die, shall he live again? And then he said, I will wait till my change comes. And then the Holy Spirit told Paul to write, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, 
for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. And then Paul in prison in Rome wrote to his friends in Philippi and he said, I'm convinced that for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. For to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Some of you today have tears in your heart. Sometimes they overflow because last Easter, a loved one that was so precious and dear to you was here, and now they're gone. And you wonder sometimes, where are they? They're safe in the arms of Jesus. They're over there in God's celestial city. And remember that to be absent from the body is not some long soul slumber. You're not going to sleep in the grave. When you go out to the cemeteries this afternoon, your loved one isn't down there if he was saved. That's just the house he used to live in. We know that if the earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. To be absent from the body, present with the Lord. Heaven is real. The Bible tells us that. Human history tells us that. The testimony of others has told us that through the years. I'm wondering today, what can set our hearts aglow with the same resurrection realities that those early disciples had? They went everywhere saying, Jesus is alive. Hildreth, who was Dr. R.G. Lee's adopted daughter, tells a story that she never tires of telling. I've talked to her on the phone not long ago. She told me again all about it. She said, Dr. Lee, whom everybody knew as the silver-tongued orator, he preached payday someday, the face of Jesus, the menace of mediocrity, and all those great sermons. He preached on heaven, and somebody copied down all that he wrote, and there was a little book collect, co composed about heaven. Dr. Lee was sick. Dr. Billy Graham and Bev Shea came to see Dr. Lee. Some of you remember Dr. Lee standing in our pulpit 16 years consecutively, year after year, preaching the Word. Bev Shea and Cliff Barrows and Billy Graham came to see Dr. Lee on this day. And Bev Shea sang, How Great Thou Art. And Dr. Lee was in a fainting time. They thought he was dying. So Hildreth went to the phone to call the doctor. When she came back in, she was amazed. Here was Billy Graham on his knees, bowing by Dr. Lee. And Dr. Lee had his arms up around Billy Graham, praying for him. And then he dropped his arms and he said, Hildreth, do you see it? What is it, Papa? Do you, do you see it? Do you see the light? What light is it, Papa? Oh, the light. There's Mama, and there's Jesus. And there's the glory of heaven. Hildreth, I tried to preach about it 60 years. I never did it justice. He closed his eyes in death. The testimonies of those who have gone before us tell us that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. 
Friend, if you're here today without the wedding garment, you do not have the righteousness of Christ clothing you. You've never received Christ as your Savior. Why not now? Why not just now on this Resurrection Sunday say, I want Jesus in my heart. I need Christ. I ask him to cleanse me and forgive me and save me today. May we bow together in prayer, please. With our hearts bowed before the Lord in humility for just a moment. Would you like to just whisper, Lord, I need you. I don't want to be lost. I want it to be true of my own life, to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. One day this earthly house will fall, and I no long, no more as now shall sing, but oh, the joy, and I shall wake within the palace of my king. Do you have that hope in you? Could you just right now whisper, Dear Jesus, I invite you, the living Savior, to come into my heart. Forgive me of all my sins. I repent of them and I turn to Jesus. In Jesus' name. Friend, if you prayed that, God heard you. We pray, Father, that you'll give victory these next few moments. Someone comes to take a stand for Christ. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand, please. One hundred fifty-four, Jesus is tenderly calling today, calling thee home. This is God's invitation. The Lord knows what our need is. Friend, if you're here and you've never been saved, I want to ask you to come to Christ today on this Easter Sunday. Would you just whisper, Lord, I need you, and I ask you to be my Savior and Lord. Some of you are members of other churches, and God wants you at Glendale. We do what God tells you to do while we begin to sing. There may be some who have been saved but have not been baptized, and you need to come and say, I'm ready to, be, to follow the Lord in baptism. You come while we sing. Will you come?